Welcome back to the program, folks. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Glenn, and this is the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. I'm based in the greater Toronto area, and I co-host and produce the show with my friend Andrew out in Marin County, California. On the program, we write and narrate essays and stories, as well as conduct interviews with folks we admire and find interesting. We have a website, raisedbywhoops.com, and you can also find us on streaming services and on Instagram and Twitter, although we're not terribly active on those platforms. So if you're looking for jokes or political banter or compelling photographs, you may have to look elsewhere. Mostly we just post show updates, although we will very occasionally alienate folks with an unrelated post, so be on the lookout for those. The show is completely free, but we do humbly ask for ratings, reviews, and encouraging emails, and if you're feeling particularly generous, you can purchase Raised by Whoops emblazoned merchandise on our website. We carry t-shirts, mugs, stickers, underwear, postcards, etc., Okay, I'll end the promotional routine there. Today's episode is an interview with Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Zachary Lucky. I introduce him in more depth at the beginning of our interview, so I won't go long here, but I do want to say that this interview is special for the reason that Zachary is the first Canadian musician I've interviewed for the show. I've interviewed a number of American musicians thus far, so I'm thrilled to finally have a fellow countryman on with me. Some topics we touched on were the enigmatic beauty of Saskatchewan, touring life in Europe and elsewhere, homemade luge tracks, Formula One racing, and some of the challenges of being an independent singer-songwriter. I hope you enjoy the interview. I know I really loved talking with Zachary. Please go to ZacharyLucky.com or go to Zachary's Bandcamp page and have a listen and a look around to see if his songs are something you might dig. In my experience, he has written some incredibly poignant and beautiful songs that have really enriched my life over the last dozen or so years. So check them out. And I'm going to play a couple of his songs during this episode. You'll hear Lost My Way, parentheses, Now and Then, close parentheses, and to finish the show, you'll hear Ramblin' Man's Lament. Enjoy, and we'll see you down the road. Sing. 
I've seen a thing or two I've seen the Rio Grande Drank whiskey with old Richard I sang towns and Zant I've been everywhere Today is uh, Saskatchewan native and Ontario-based singer-songwriter Zachary Lucky. Uh, Zachary has been releasing music under his own name for nearly 15 years now. Uh, by my count, he's released uh, five full-length albums of original material as well as a few EPs. Um, his two most recent releases have been cover projects, uh, Songs for Hard Times, a collection of traditional folk and country covers was released in 2021, and earlier this year he released a digital single with renditions of Copper Kettle, 
and Dublin Blues. In addition to his recorded output, Zachary is also a mainstay on the uh, touring circuit, having played shows in Europe, the UK, the US, and of course Canada. And speaking of touring, Zachary will be spending a good portion of April playing gigs in Germany, Belgium, and Holland with some Canadian dates on either side of that European jaunt. Uh, For specific dates and to purchase Zachary's music, visit ZacharyLucky.com or ZacharyLucky.Bandcamp.com. You can also find him on social media and streaming services. Uh, Zachary joins me now. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Glenn. Yeah. No worries. The pleasure is mine. Um, so I uh, I just wanted to start um, with, uh, I saw that you played the the Briar recently. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that, was a, that was an interesting show. Um, when somebody gets in touch with you and says, hey, do you want to play the Briar? You're like, uh, yeah, but no. <laughs> it, it, it was interesting. Um, it's kind of one of those weird institutions that, like, I, I know nothing about curling. I've never gone curling, but we all grew up in Canada, and especially being from the prairies, uh, you hear about the briar, and it's a part of life out there. Uh, I have a bunch of friends who curl out there, and so yeah, I, I couldn't say no to doing doing the briar, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like playing in a food court. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, but but nonetheless, it, it was a real nice time, and, and there were some uh, some folks who were really into it. So nice. That's uh, was yeah, inter- interesting show. Yeah, I saw that on your uh, on your website there, and I thought I, I it said RBC Center in London, and I thought what kind of a show is that? And then I uh, I investigated further and saw that. So yeah, I'm not into curling either, but I mean. Um, but yeah, I figured you'd know a little something about it being from uh, the prairies. But uh, but you yeah, you, no, you never curled or anything. I never got into curling. You know, it's one of those things I always wanted to do. You know, in my mind, uh, I was like a hip, like twenty eight year old that went curling once a week. But uh, that never really never happened. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had kids too early and then lost all my free time. So right. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, I usually begin by like asking the guest um, if they were brought up in a musical family or if they come from a musical household. But in your case, like a quick internet search revealed that uh, your grandfather John or Johnny and your grandmother Eleanor were pretty well-known Canadian country and Western musicians. So I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about them as people and musicians and just what their impact on you was and, you know, still is, I guess, to, uh, to this day. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, Johnny had a pretty legendary career. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he was famous, but he was definitely well-known in kind of niche circles. Um, he, he started playing, and I, sh- I should know the numbers better than I do, but it, it was something like the early 50s, and, and he, he, he tried the Nashville thing, but it didn't work for him. And so he came back up to Canada and decided to sort of uh, do it his own way. Kind of from my perspective, it's almost like uh, pre-punk rock DIY. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I remember going into his office on their farm outside of Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and he had this map on the wall, map of Canada with all these little kind of pins of everywhere that he played. And he, he would just sit there and, and decide, okay, we're going to go play uh, here, here, and here. And, you know, they, they, they played 
all all around the north. They kind of made a living playing in places that other people wouldn't play. Right. And maybe places that didn't necessarily make sense to play. You know, they would charter planes to uh, the Northwest Territories and, and Nunavut. And, oh, wow. And uh, and spent a lot of time playing in the Arctic. He, he actually said he was one of the – he claimed to be the first person to perform in the Arctic. <laughs> um, I don't – you know, he's kind of one of those, those old – old guys with kind of a lot of things he would say, you're going to go, is that true? Or is that not true? You know, he, he said he drove something like 5 million miles across the country back and forth. Uh, and I don't necessarily doubt it. Uh, they spent a whole lot of time on the road and, and played just about everywhere you could play yeah. uh, and was playing into his eighties. You know, um, I didn't know him super well, to be honest. Uh, I think uh, there was definitely a, an interesting relationship between my dad and him. Uh, when your dad is a, an independent performer, especially in, in that day and age, you know, like he would fill up the cupboards and then he would be gone on tour for weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, and leave his kids at home. Mm. Um, so I don't know if it was, it was a, a great childhood. Um, yeah. Getting a little older myself, it's fun to kind of excavate those parts of our parents and, and try and figure out what it was like. Uh, so, so my dad didn't have a great relationship with him and thus we didn't spend a ton of time with him and, and they were just always on the road, but yeah. you know, once in a while they would roll through town and they would stay with us and you kind of get to know little bits here and there. And, uh, in my later teens after high school, uh, I took to driving down to the family farm and, and spending weekends down there with them and, and did get to know them a bit, especially after my grandfather died, got to know my grandmother pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And they're just they're very, very interesting people. Um, and, and stories for days about their travels back and forth across the country and, and uh, just very authentic uh, pre-country kind of Western music uh, that kind of dabbled in the whole gospel thing. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say he was, they have some awesome songs, but I wouldn't say he was a, an amazing songwriter. Right. Uh, that wasn't his thing. He was more of an entertainer than a songwriter. Okay. Um. You know what he would have told he would have told you that himself. I found a cassette of a bunch of interviews he did with people like Peter Zosky and all these old CBC oh, wow. hosts. And uh, in one of them, he said, "Well, I never thought I was a good singer, but people kept coming to the shows." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" Yeah. You know. Um, so he wrote. Yeah. So he wrote and did covers as well. Then. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, they, yeah, they, they. It's really cool. I've I have a bunch of their LPs. They had a bunch of like really Canadian centric music right. that they wrote. Um, and then they like a lot of artists of that time did a bunch of standards, okay. you know? Yeah. yeah. So very, very cool career. And it's like, it, it's, it's hard to even begin talking about it cause it's such a huge story and it, uh, yeah, even to this day, I spend a lot of time thinking about them Yeah, and, uh, thinking about our, our family farm that we still have where they, they lived and, uh, yeah, I wish I wish I could have had a little, a couple more years, yeah, uh, hanging out with them and playing music with them, and, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, days are never long enough. So. Right. So I, I read too that you like before he passed, you guys. I don't know if this is true or not, but you had some plans to possibly tour with him before he passed away. Yeah, we were hoping to do. He had, he had like very old school, you know, worked up uh some promotional material that he was going to mail out to prospective bookers. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and um 
um, yeah, so that we we had some some kind of promotional material worked up, and we were going to try and do some stuff. It, it it probably wouldn't have worked. I mean, at that point in my career, I was still uh, transitioning. I mean, I grew up listening to. We could get into this later, but kind of transitioning into what I'm doing now. Right. And so it would have been a different show. I mean, if I could play with him now, I that would really be cool. Yeah, I would have yeah. really liked that because um, I don't. It was never intentional, but my sound has sort of uh, graduated towards a more similar sound to what what he did. Right. Um, it'll never be exactly in the same ballpark, but yeah, it, it would have been would have been very sweet to to get to do some shows with him. And there, actually, you know what? I think I heard stories. He, he, they tried to convince my parents to let me come on the road with them when I was a kid, oh. <laughs> uh, during the summertime, you know, summer, summer break and, and just with the way things were, my parents weren't really comfortable with it. And I was like, guys, come on. Yeah. What were you thinking? That would have been like, just the, yeah. I, I would have, uh, totally changed me as a person and as a, as, as the songwriter that I've become. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine having that like touring for me started when I was like 18 or 19 I can't imagine what it would have been like had it started when I was like 12 or 13. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it would have been just a totally different ballgame. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I guess you, you know, um, your sort of penchant or your inclination to travel across the country, you know, maybe you got some of that from him, I guess as well. Right. Or... Yeah. Maybe it's hard to say. I, people like to sort of connect the dots and see the lineage between him and me. And I don't, fully see it maybe there's some kind of uh, hidden hidden tie you know yeah that that i don't fully acknowledge um i mean there must be but yeah uh, i've never felt i've always felt like my i came to where i am by my own path right right um yeah and it was never via what he did right i mean i fr frankly as a young person i was so unaware yeah. of what he was doing and his music and um so it, I don't totally see the connection, but uh, yeah, there, maybe, maybe there is some sort of cosmic connection there. Though. <laughs> yeah, hard, hard to say. So, um, so then, so he grew up, or he was based like near Yorkton. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's small, small town called Roxton, Saskatchewan, which is it's about thirty-five, forty minutes from Yorkton, close to the Manitoba border. Okay, and then, and then you and your folks grew up. In Saskatoon or near Saskatoon? Is it Saskatoon? Yeah, my my dad sort of they moved around with with his with my grandfather. You know, he, they had lived in Yorkton for a while and lived in North Battleford for a while. And I yeah, I grew up in the north end of Saskatoon my whole life. Okay, and um, and, until I started touring and, and eventually made my way out to Ontario. Okay, so so sort of in an urban environment, like right in the city of hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm like a, I am a. Uh, you know, the north end of Saskatoon is like devoid of any culture, <laughs> any, uh, you know, it feels the streets are as wide as can be. Right. Um, I remember when Starbucks came to Saskatoon and it just felt like a big city all of a sudden. <laughs> but it, yeah, in my mind, like my memories of growing up there, it's just like kind of like a hot, dry, dusty, uh, prairie, suburbia, wasteland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, hindsight, I, I think very fondly of it and stuff. I, I really romanticize it now that I live in Ontario. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely kind of, it wasn't much going on there, you know. Yeah. Was your mom and dad into music at all? or Not really, man. No? It was not a, not a thing in our family. They were, but it was like, 
uh, ACDC and uh, the Eagles. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with either of those bands. They're both wonderful bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shania Twain, you know. Uh-huh. Um, nothing that would, like, lead you to believe uh, had any connection to, to to what I do or, or uh, you know, culture, capital C. Right, right. Um, any instruments uh, in the house at all when you were growing up or? Nothing. No? Nothing, no. man. Nothing. No singing. It totally kind of skipped a generation okay. on, on both fronts. And and uh, I, I was sitting, I was probably about 10 or 11, and I was sitting in the back seat of my parents' car in the driveway. We're just getting back, and there was something on the radio. I can't remember what it was on the radio. But apparently I was, you know, strumming on the 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 the, uh, the seatbelt <laughs> like, a, like a guitar. And my, and my parents said, do you want to play guitar? And so they said, yeah. Um, and so we went down to the Long McQuaid and got a guitar. Uh, it was like a, my first guitar was a, uh, uh, an Epiphone Stratocaster, not even a Fender. Okay. And, um, and kind of went from there, you know, and yeah, it was probably about 10 or 11. I started playing. In- uh, interesting. Okay. Did you have siblings at all growing up? Yeah, yeah, I have you, a sister. Yeah, yeah. You have a sister, yeah. Okay. Quite a bit older than me, and we weren't really, weren't, you know, by the time I was becoming a human, she was basically out of the house, you know, so. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I've Saskatoon's always kind of um, interested me a little bit, just because, like, I, I mean, I, I've driven through once or twice, but, like, haven't spent much time there. But you do hear a little bit about a, a, a bit of a music scene there, you know, like with, I don't know, like, Deep Dark Woods and Cheap Dogs and um, who else? Yeah. I don't know. Car- the the Carpinka Brothers. I think I knew them because of, I think I've heard of them because of you. Maybe um, I don't. I don't. I don't know if like I saw you guys interacting on social media or something like that. But I and one of those brothers has like a. Doesn't he run like a grocery store in Saskatoon or something? Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, and I've just saw some of his videos on. Twitter, I think, of like dancing in the empty aisles of this grocery store or something. Yeah, those guys are legends. Yeah, Aaron's a to- Aaron's a total legend. Yeah, yeah. right on. <laughs> um, it makes me smile hearing you say their names. Yeah, um, yeah. No, they're they're. I mean, growing up in Saskatoon, it was interesting because, like I say, I was I was pretty far. Nothing in Saskatoon is close. Uh, and being a young person in a city like that, uh, you know, you would hear of like I was in high school, you know grade nine, 10, whatever grade and getting into bands like uh broken social scene. Yeah. And they'd be playing at Amigas or stars or Hayden yep. or, and they'd be playing at Amigas likely. Um, and it would be 19 plus, you know? Right. And so you could never go to, you could never get into anything. Oh no. Um, and so I, I mean, it's my experience going to music in Saskatoon was growing up, and going to like hardcore shows because those were basically the only thing you could get into. Right. Um, these these tiny, tiny little hardcore shows, and that sort of graduated into there was sort of like a I don't even know what you would call that scene, but like a real experimental music scene. Um, I remember being at shows in some random like French society venue of people pl- with plugged in Game Boys making this <laughs> electronic music, you know. 
Um, there was a real scene in Saskatoon back in the day, man. And I mean, I think there still is. I'm, I'm really disconnected from it now. Yeah. I've been away for like eight years, probably nine years, maybe. Um, but yeah, bands like the deep dark woods. Yeah. Um, slow down molasses always did a bunch of really cool stuff. The sheepdogs, um, coming up, they were, when I, when I was growing up, they were still, that was like pre, um, getting huge yeah yeah um and even even beyond um saskatoon you know i grew up my my, the first tours i ever did anywhere in canada were with with a buddy of mine andy schaff oh yeah 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 um and we would play in and around saskatchewan and manitoba and church basements yeah and then we did a, a couple western canadian tours um trying to think who else there is down and there's so many good bands in regina too it's just um the dead south i think is uh, another band yeah i mean that that's like that's more recent era i'm trying to think when i was a kid right you know, there was right. a, band, a really great kind of progressive indie band called sylvie okay which progressed into uh i'm trying to think of marshall rara was the band that came after that okay um yeah saskatoon saskatchewan in general just has has a crazy music scene um Coulter Wall now is is sort of another kind of a huge name that's come out of there and mm. um yeah it it's it's a really interesting place i mean i think each prairie city i mean there's there's such insular places uh you could say the same thing about calgary and edmonton winnipeg is like it's on its own yeah you know yeah and so it becomes this really kind of robust uh scene that sort of feeds off itself and everybody plays in everybody's bands. Um, I don't know. They're, they're really special, special places to grow up musically. Yeah. Uh, when you come of age and can actually go to the shows and <laughs> get into the scene. Um, yeah. Would you say Saskatoon's more of a cultural center, more culturally vibrant than Regina? Oh, man, I I don't like picking sides. It's, <laughs> okay. Saskatoon is really beautiful. Um, it has the river, the river runs through it, you know? Yeah. Um, the university campus is beautiful. It's got a couple great venues. Um, I liked growing up there. I think if I moved back to Saskatchewan, I would have a hard time not moving to Regina because, uh, I sort of identify with the music scene in Regina a little bit more. There's more kind of roots music. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, I really love Southern Saskatchewan. Uh, it's cheaper to live. Uh, it's got its own vibe, you know. Yeah. It's a little more rough around the edges. Um, Saskatoon's gotten real big. It's got two Costco's. Who needs two Costco's? Yeah. No one needs two Costco's. Oh, no, yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> Saskatoon is doing like the the Calgary sprawl thing um, these days. Right. So is it more of a cultural hub? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But which city has better coffee? Uh, maybe Regina right now. I don't know. It ebbs and flows. Okay. So. Okay. That's important too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's always kind of been a, a, you know, like I say, I've only driven through the province, but um, my dad had like a, um, I don't know. He just had a real affinity for Saskatchewan. Like he, when my, my sister, him and my mom married in 1970 and then my sister was born in 71 and they moved out there to try and make a go of it, but he couldn't find work. And, um, so they moved back after four months, but 
after that, so, you know, they settled in Ontario and lived there for their whole lives. But, um, but every three or four years, my dad would go out to Alberta to my uncle's place and, uh, he would take the Via Rail out to Alberta and borrow my uncle's truck and then just drive around Saskatchewan for a month. And he, he would do that by himself for like, like I say, he did it every four or five years and no one quite ever understood what his, like, um, love affair with Saskatchewan was and he couldn't really articulate it either but he just drove around like he you know he really loved Saskatchewan history and you know he was a Tommy Douglas guy and whatnot but like and he he had all these pictures with him and grain elevators and I don't know it was just it was strange but whatever yeah <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to articulate what it is about Saskatchewan um, that makes me feel the way I do and why I feel so um, kind of bonded to it as a place, you know, kind of tied to it. And I, I don't, I can't, I don't have a fully formed thought on it, but it's, I was driving to a festival a couple of years back uh, up north of Saskatoon. It was August and I got out of the car to take a piss and I was standing there for a second, just looking around and it hit me. I was like, you know what I think of, at least part of it is, is the wind for me. There's, there's like a, a vibration to the wind, uh, a musicality to the wind there that I, coupled with seeing the horizon, which you don't get in Ontario. Right. Um, those two things for me are just like, when I go to the farm, I, I don't get to go to the farm much, but I, I was, did a big Canadian tour this year. And so I, I hit it to and from a couple of times. And I'm sitting there and it's, yeah, that's the, the kind of the vibration in the trees. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds kind of hokey pokey unless you're actually standing there feeling it on your face. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a real interesting thing. It's, um, uh, and it's, he's probably not the only person who's felt this way. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of people who kind of have, have felt that way uh, about Saskatchewan and, and a lot of people overlook it, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's one of those places where either you get it or you don't. Right, right. And uh, the people who get it are glad that the people who don't, don't get it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I just briefly wanted to ask you about um, a couple bands you played in before you started your uh, solo career. So, like, uh, let me know if I get these right. Tuxedo Mask and We Were Lovers, is that correct? You're digging deep. Yeah, I just I, I I just had to see what you were doing before you started under your own name. So like, were they what kind of bands were they? Um, so Tuxedo Mask was a group with a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan Kurtz, and there was a few kind of it was a rotating cast of people, but um, Jordan was the the main songwriter and and singer in that band. I grew up mostly playing guitar. Like songwriting wasn't really a thing I came to until a little later, maybe 18 or you know, 17, 18, 19. Um, I dabbled it in a bit, but I was mostly a guitar player. Um, yeah. And so Tuxedo Mask was, it was, yeah, it was like mid high school. Uh, we were young. I mean, I am a self, uh, self acknowledging emo kid I, I totally it's just the the it was the zone that i grew up it was, those were the years that i grew up in sure yeah the dashboard confessional years uh-huh <laughs> and um 
and yeah, those were kind of, it was sort of like a, 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 a pop rock band, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, it was kind of like piano and guitar and drums and bass, but we, it was almost more like performance art at its core. Like we, we would, we'd have all these props and have like weird things, you know, alarm clocks going off on stage mid song and all this weird, weird stuff. It was, it was kind of experimental in that way. Right. Um, yeah. And almost more of like a, a performance than a, I don't know. It, I'm not really sure what our end game was with it, but right. uh, it felt very, felt like we were all in on some sort of, some sort of <laughs> cool secret at the time. Um, yeah, it didn't last too long. Um, I don't, we didn't even really put anything out, but it was sort of like a, a you know, it was probably the first large stage I ever played on was in that band. Yeah. We played, we played this festival in Edmonton. Um, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was, it was at uh, whatever their big outdoor amphitheater was. Right. It was like my first time playing on a big stage in front of a lot of people. Okay. Okay. And uh, so you guys had some proper shows and everything. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. Well, I, that band was actually kind of cool. We got to play some cool shows. We opened for Attack and Black. Oh, nice. And back back a couple times, I think um, <clears throat> would have been like uh, whatever their maybe Marriage or Curve Curve of the Earth uh, era Attack and Black. Okay. So got to know those guys, and we kind of came to know Julie Duara through them. Yeah, um, yeah, it was some some cool times for sure. Okay, um, and we were lovers. Uh, that kind of came after. That was a little later. I was maybe I I'd moved away to uh, to Australia to go to college for a little bit, and that didn't work out. Dropped out pretty quick, and moved home with the idea to do music. Um, and I got offered this Jordan, actually, I think it was Jordan, the singer in that in Tuxedo Mask, got offered uh, a spot drumming for this band, We Were Lovers. Okay. Um, and Elsa Gaber Michael, she, who was the singer in We Were Lovers, she she had done a bunch of stuff uh, in kind of progressive pop rock bands in Saskatoon, um, kind of pre before that time, but. Um, she'd started this new project and was it was kind of this electro pop thing and and they were trying to put together a band to go down and play south by southwest and do a bunch of stuff and said hey do you want to play bass in this band it's like well, i'm not a bass player but sure yeah i got a bass and an amp and um you know it's a very prairie mentality no i don't play bass but i'll learn how to <laughs> and i'll just we'll just do it it's fine yeah um yeah that was that band was actually the, it was the first time i ever done like a a proper tour was with them we, we drove we toured from um saskatoon I'm trying to remember where we played we played winnipeg played thunder bay at the legendary apollo rest in peace okay um played sudbury opening for the sheepdogs first time i ever got too drunk was in the basement of the townhouse opening for the sheepdogs <laughs> um played toronto and then we made our way to south by southwest after that okay and yeah, it was a real, real eye-opening experience. You know, it was just like first time being on the road and functioning in a band and and playing these kinds of festivals. Yeah. Um, it was pretty short-lived. I was maybe in that band for about a year. Um, hard to say exactly, but but it, it was a time and a place, and you know, it was uh, kind of helped me realize that I wanted to try and do something on my own, and I didn't really know what that was yet, but. Um, 
yeah I, I after i it was right when i quit that band that i made the sort of the first thing that felt real uh an ep called maps and towns and it's man i i haven't listened to it in a long time but it's a pretty uh, pretty simple songs and still kind of hear like the the high school emo kid in my voice yeah yeah. But, but we went into a studio and made a record with analog gear and was realizing that that's something that I valued and learned that I like making records a certain way. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of that, that whole time period was a transition that sort of led to the path that I've been on for the past 10 or 12 years here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of interesting. I was just, there's probably not like an exact moment, but like where, where does like, um, you know, you're listening to Dashboard Confessional and stuff. And then, you know, I also know uh, uh, that you're, you know, a big, like, Guy Clark and and T- Towns of Anzant and sort of the Texas songwriter uh, tradition. You're, you're into that scene. So I'm just wondering, where's the bridge there between emo and, and the Texas songwriters? Yeah, the emo hardcore thing, I think, was mostly uh, time and place and what was available. Um and just the, the era, you look at the music that was being put out, not that there wasn't um, singer-songwriter music being made, but it just wasn't around for people like me. Right. Uh, it wasn't accessible. Um, I, I remember the, the moment, the first time I heard a town song, it, it was uh, probably, I'm going to say roughly 2009, 2010. We were recording, I was kind of living down in Yorkton, Saskatchewan and in the attic of a coffee shop there. My buddy had a little recording set up and we were working on my record come and gone. And I somehow stumbled across, well, there, deep dark woods had a song on it too. It was a towns van Zant comp- compilation. And it was a, a girl, a woman named Kate Mackey from Sudbury had a song on it. Okay. Um, I'll be the, be here in the morning. And I remember hearing that song and going, what is this? Yeah. And immediately went and figured out who Towns was. And it was sort of all down from hill from there. <laughs> yeah. Kind of weird. It wasn't even Towns singing a Town song. Right, right. Uh, but also kind of appropriate, too. That's sort of how his music goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it sort of opened a bit of a a window for me. And, and kind of the more I listened to it, the more the idea of chasing a song and trying to tell a story with a song became the end goal. Um, It's sort of been a a journey down that road since. Um, I don't know. Once you, once you get into people like Towns and Guy and um, lately, you know, the past five, six, seven years, Adam, Adam Carroll. Adam Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. um, Is a big one. Hayes Carl was a big one. Um, you know, once you get into that sort of stuff, there's not, there's no real going back. It's um, the song becomes a story and not whatever it was before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I found myself thinking more like a trying to paint a picture that people can see themselves in. Yep. Uh, more of that and less of trying to convince them of something, you know, uh, well, maybe there's a bit of convincing in there too, but yeah, more of a painter than a and a, and a weaver of stories. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, you're speaking my language. I I love all those guys. Um, yeah, I think Adam Carroll. He actually has a Canadian connection too. I think he married a yeah. Canadian woman, right? Yeah. Yeah, his wife's can. I think she's from somewhere in southern Ontario, yeah. Hamilton or something like that. Or yeah. Um, just switching gears a little. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, I know you know you were saying before we started recording that you you know you've just got back out onto the road again and and um um i know this is a bit of a generic question but i was just wondering if you if you had any favorite cities or regions or venues uh or or any place that's like particularly receptive to your music um yeah i mean it's it's hard i i definitely do have a few i I like winnipeg a lot yeah um winnipeg's a hard city in general, I find it's just, it's got a hard exterior. Uh, it's hard to convince people to come out, but I love it. I love going back every time. Yeah. Um, I love Regina because it's kind of become like a home away from home. Calgary seems to have, and Alberta in general, the, uh, the, my music clicks out there. Uh, I'm not quite sure what it is, but it just seems to, the shoe seems to fit. And, and I've grown to really, Love the love Southern Alberta, the the region where the prairies meet the mountains. Um, highway Twenty Two out there is my favorite highway. Um, yeah, all all of those places are um, really important to me. And um, man, every city in Canada, there's a few that I would like to not go back to, but <laughs> almost all of them are special in their own way. Yeah. And it's it's such a, a fortunate life to get to travel back and forth across the country, and every night you get to live a different life, and you get to immerse yourself in each of those scenes, and uh, you wake up the next morning, you leave, go to the next town, do the same thing. Um, man, it's it's a wild wild trip. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty lucky to get to do it. You've enjoyed uh, touring the states too over the years. Yeah, I used to do that a bit, and I'm trying to figure out how to get back down there again. It's it's getting harder and harder for Canadians to tour down there. Yeah, America is huge. Um, I have a bit of a hard time just like wrapping my head around America geographically. Like it's just uh, it's real big. I, I, recently, the past couple of years, I've really enjoyed touring in Europe. Um, touring over there is just so easy compared to touring in Canada. You know, things are thirty, forty minutes, sixty minutes away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no big trucks on the road. <laughs> um, they treat the venues and, and places you're staying, treat you really well and really appreciate art. And, you know, it's funny, like Towns Van Zandt was really famous in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and in Germany too. I think more so in the Netherlands. But so people, there's a, there's a group of people there who have a real affinity for this sort of singer-songwriter music. Yeah. And... Uh, maybe more so than Canada does on a whole. I think singer-songwriter music actually, um, it's kind of a hard sell in Canada. It's not necessarily what people listen to. Yeah, yeah. There's pockets of it here and there. Um, but like I have more listeners in the States than I do Canada. Yeah, I remember Dan Romano saying one time about like, you know, people in Texas just seemed to get his shtick a little bit more than um, some places in Canada or something. So yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. My dad's from the Netherlands and, and he was, 
you know, and I, I have a, a cousin over there that runs. That, run, that's why he likes. That's why he likes Saskatchewan. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a connection there. It's, it feels very similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, but yeah, he's in a big into the singer songwriter thing too. So yeah, it's it's uh, interesting for sure. So do you like do you um do you rent a car when you get do you do you do the driving when you go over there or Yeah, still things things are still pretty independent through and through. Um I I'd had a European agent for a while who's kind of helping me out with stuff and we've thought about bringing on somebody to drive and but I I kind of love just uh hoofing it around Europe. You know, that's part of the reason I like going back there too is just renting a car and driving on the autobahn and and cruising around it's uh yeah man it's it's you get you get the best of both worlds get to do what you love make a living get to travel around so yeah um, every city in europe it's like in canada you 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 you're playing you're going on tour you're going to uh sarnia and then you're going to go play in sudbury and then you're going to go play, <laughs> you're going to go play in Sault Ste. marie and you know in europe it's like you're playing in amsterdam and then you're going to play in and uh, Nijmegen, and then you're going to go hang out in Antwerp for a few days. And br- like, it's just as a Canadian, it's it's not that there's I'm not, yeah, not dissing those wonderful Canadian cities, but uh, it's always fun to go somewhere new and see different things and and uh, drink different beer, yeah, and uh, yeah. be around people who don't speak the same language as you. Good to be yeah. good to be uncomfortable, you know. For sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, you did Finland too at one point, right? Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um, did a run of shows. Over. That was a cool tour, man. I I think about that tour fairly often, and uh, it is on the list of places I really want to. Sort of how it goes. I I have like a running list of uh, uh, a running bucket list of places I'd like to play, and yeah. s- hitting Scandinavia is a is a really big one. Norway and Sweden. Uh, which would hopefully include another week or so in Finland. Um, not only have I learned to love sauna a lot more since, but uh, I think that, uh, yeah, the shows there were actually just really, really wonderful and people were really receptive. So Nice. Yeah. And yeah, there's like a, so, so they're into sort of, you know, country and Americana as well over, over in Finland. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 There's like a blogger, um, I can't remember. I think Vesa. Web... Yeah, you know him, eh? Yeah. 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 Like he uh I've I've followed him for a few years now and like he mentions like Canadian bands that uh I haven't heard of and you know, he's over in Turku, I guess, or whatever and yeah. you know, he he's talking about these bands in, you know, in like Nelson, BC or somewhere in Ontario that I've never I am like, who's this artist? And I'll look them up and it's just some obscure Canadian band that he knows and I don't. And it's like, wow, man, you you do your uh, your research. I think so. he I think he gets a lot of submissions too because he he puts a lot of work into it. Yeah, and uh, artists, you know, it's pretty easy to see the people who put a lot of work into it, um, and who don't charge you to review your stuff. You know, that's kind of become a, a thing. There's kind of a paywall and a lot of playlisters and and people reviewing music and. Um, yeah, he, he he's really involved and puts a lot of thought and effort into it. Um, yeah, Turku's cool, man. Um, there's a great little record shop there too. The whole the whole reason that tour happened was this guy who lives there named Freddie, who runs the the record store, Cassie Rutta, 
and Freddie had like an old Renault van, like a wartime van. Yeah. And he drove me around. It was a crank start and he drove me around Finland in this old van. <laughs> um, man, that was a cool, cool tour. And, and and how did you meet Freddie? Did he just know of your music? Or? I don't even know. He, yeah, he's got his record stores. It's kind of the same thing as Vesa. It's just like chock full of like, like you want to buy every single record and that story's really on the pulse. Yeah. Um, and I can't quite remember what the connection was. It, it, yeah, I'm not not too sure. Um, yeah. Maybe some, maybe something through the deep dark woods or some some prairie roots band. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. some connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did Finland remind you of? Did it did it have any like uh, you know similarities to Canada at all, landscape wise or anything? Uh, my memories of it are, are very kind of Northern Ontario. Okay. Um, yeah. but with kind of European metropolitan centers. Right. Um, yeah, it, honestly that tour was kind of a blur. It was like four or five days and I was pretty jet lagged the entire time. Um, Helsinki is a, an amazing, I had a really great 24 hours in Helsinki. Um, and I can't even remember the name. I got to open for this really big Swedish band. Uh, and it was like a big show, probably five or 600 people or something. Yeah. Um, it was, it was very cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But very kind of like boreal forest, uh, a lot okay. of, tr- a lot of trees, but also by, by the ocean, you know, very, by the Baltic sea, I think it is. So, yeah. um, yeah, man, just, just fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's great where music can take you for sure. Um, uh, so, so you said you do, you still do all your own booking and all that, like. A, yeah, everything is yeah. still independent right now. Um, yeah, I've worked with a few agents off and on over the past couple of years. Like I said, I had a guy in the UK and Europe, um, and that sort of fell apart when the pandemic came. I was working with a, a Canadian woman for a couple of years, but it never really went anywhere. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. It's, I remember her saying, I'm not quite sure how to market you. Right. Which is such a funny thing. Cause it's, to me, this is like the most easily marketable thing <laughs> ever. But, but if you look at what's happening across the Canadian landscape musically, if you look at the folk festivals, they're not, folk festivals anymore right and uh, yes there's pockets of people who are listening to this stuff but it's they're kind of smaller pockets and and yeah so maybe there isn't really a scene maybe it is hard to market this stuff but then you look at Coulter Wall and he sells out two nights in every city he goes to in Canada you go oh no this is it's marketable people just don't know how to market it um yeah, so I, after that's those those sort of fell apart. I I sort of just decided to uh, buckle down even harder into the independent thing. I've always really liked it. I've always liked the back end, the business end of this as much as the music. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you if you enjoyed that part of it. But I know. do. I like the data. I like all of it. Um, yeah. I like thinking about tours, routing tours, booking tours. Um, I, I am kind of getting to the point with it where it's it's like a they're, they're two two separate full time jobs, being an artist and being the 
a manager, booker, merchandiser, all these things. And yeah. when you're having to burn the candle at both ends and try and utilize both parts of your brain to do two totally different things, um, it can get a little rough. Um, I'm getting to the point where I kind of, I, I would love to get out of the booking business <laughs> at some point yeah. in time and let somebody, yeah. let somebody else dream about the tours I should be doing. But, um, yeah, for I mean, frankly, for it's the you know, it feel like a, you're kicking a dead horse saying the pandemic was hard for people like me, but to come out of the pandemic as an independent artist and still be here and to actually be able to, you know, uh, pay your bills and um, be able to work and have money in the bank at the end of the month was huge. So uh, I was pretty happy just to work however I could doing what I doing what I do um, yeah. for the past couple of years and. And it's going to be a bit of a process of seeing uh, where things go next, I think, um, you know, in the next few years. So how do you um, like, how do you beat back any of that sort of, I don't know what you call it, but like, I don't know. I mean, I think we all go through it just like self-doubt or, or whatever. Um, Imposter syndrome. Or, or that sort of thing too. Like, I mean, you know, like, is there ever moments where you just think, ah, geez, it, it would be easier to just get like a, you know, a, a, a 40 hour a week job somewhere. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, those demons are barking at the door every day. And yeah, it's a nonstop thing. You kind of, yeah, we could, I've often thought it'd be fun to start a podcast talking to musicians about mental health and, and kind of the the struggle it is because uh, I think for a lot of people you'd be you'd be surprised a lot of people suffer from those things and and think about doing other stuff and wondering if they should have gone to school ten years ago instead of doing that tour that led to them doing however many tours afterwards you know um, yeah yeah it's I've sp I spent a lot of time over the pandemic thinking about doing other things I still do. And I probably will do that for the rest of my life. But at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to get to do what I do and I don't take it for granted. Um, it's a, it's a pretty special life. And, um, I think it's, it's good to sort of try and learn to be content with where you are. Um, be happy with what you have. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a big nut to crack there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could, yeah. You could yeah. talk an hour about that sort of stuff. Cause it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, as, as an, as an independent artist, yeah, it can be kind of a lonely zone to exist in. And, uh, I can uh, only imagine. Yeah. If you, if you stop rowing the boat, the boat stops. So, yeah. but also some days you need to be okay with the boat being still. Some days you're like paddling in the wrong direction and it's better to go downstairs and watch an episode of the last of us yeah. and have four coffees instead of working because it's going to be better for your brain. You know, um, yeah. I've spent a lot of time the past couple of years kind of trying to work on my mental health and, and, uh, yes, I like this job and I love, I'm thankful I get to do it, but also I don't want it to put me in the ground either. Right. Um, right. And I don't want to be super unhealthy because of it, you know, 
I've spent a lot, a lot of time past couple of years trying to try to work on my health and mental health. It's a big thing. A lot of artists, like it's, you don't get time for that stuff uh, because you're always gone. You're always on the road. You don't get time to have hobbies because when you're on the road, 150 days a year uh, and you have two kids at home, you come home and you just hang out with your kids all the time. The yeah. pandemic was actually kind of a blessing because it let me rediscover parts of my life. I didn't know existed still. Um, yeah. And now it's a bit of a juggling act trying to fit all the pieces together, but, um, you know, making it work. And, yeah. Yeah. I asked somebody else a similar question and, you know, they, yeah, like they, you know, another reason or another thing that kept them going, they said was just, you know, just always in the back of your mind, you know, trying to just trying to, to do good work and trying to write that song that's still sort of out there. Um, you know, and, wanting to leave a bit of a mark with your with your songwriting as well so i mean that i guess that keeps you going but it it's a roller coaster too yeah i can imagine but yeah 100 percent. I, I would totally agree with that i think i'm still i am still coming out of the pandemic there was such yeah. like a you better swim real fast because you're drowning feeling in the air like i didn't write a single song over there i know it's not that's a lie i wrote a couple songs but songwriting was not the top of mind over those two or three years. It yeah. was like, how the hell am I going to pay my bills at the end of the month? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some people didn't have to worry about those things as much. That was a huge thing. Uh, and so it's a bit of shifting back into like, Oh no, I can find time to write songs. I can do that. Um, and it, the other, the other worries can sort of chill out a little bit and, then you can kind of worry about writing that song that'll leave the lasting impression yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard that a lot too. Yeah. Some, uh, some were able to push through and be creative, but yeah, it's, it's pretty hard when, man, some you know, it's amazing what some people did. Um, yeah, yeah. just goes to say everybody had a total, it was just a really interesting social experiment to see how everybody kind of rode the wave differently. So, yeah. Well, speaking of like hobbies and stuff, I, I remember I saw you post something about like a, you built your kids a luge track a few years back. Did you do, have you done that again? Yeah. It kind of became a thing around here over the, the past few years. And every year it got a little longer, a little crazier, yeah, uh, a little more intensive. Um, I'd be out there like every night shoveling the thing off, <laughs> icing it every single night. Um, became a labor of love. And we, we tried to do it this year, but, you know, global warming just didn't cooperate with us. And then the weather was kind of eventually got to the point where my kid said, Dad, it's not going to work this year. And I was like, oh, God, thank you for saying that. She let, <laughs> she totally let me off the hook. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a big thing. Actually, we, we made the national news with it. Got more press with my lose track than I have with my music. <laughs> we were on the CTV morning show, national news. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty pretty funny uh, 24-hour news cycle. But, um, yeah, it was a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've since realized that, yeah, I must have had a lot of free time during the pandemic because it's I don't seem to have that much free time nowadays. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, and you're in this F1 too, right? Oh, man. H have you always been into – racing or car racing or always been i've always been a car guy yeah for sure i um, yeah if you if any people have been to my shows they hear me tell the song about uh, my song sunday morning at the drag strip yeah i, grew, yeah, I love that yeah. grew up going to drag races outside saskatoon with my dad and uh we still go down to 
you know, one big race in the States every year. We try and do it. Um, so cars have always kind of been around in my life. I've always been into it. F1 yeah. was a bit of a pandemic project for sure. Yeah. Thanks to the Netflix show. Um, yeah. And we, uh, yeah, we became a family that watched F1 together. It was a thing. Um, <laughs> if you're into it, you're into it. And if you don't, you're not, you're not, you know, it's, uh, it's all good either way, but, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of fun. Got into F1 over the pandemic, got into natural wine, uh, started mountain biking again. Um, yeah, it was, it was good to just, uh, uh, discover different things other than, uh, singing in bar rooms and, yeah. uh, hanging out at truck stops and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glorious life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Um, well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I, um, you know, I've been, I've been watching you play since, uh, like I say, I think the first time I saw you was back in Kempville, Ontario. Oh, cool. Wait, yeah. When, when the branch was going strong there. That was a good spot, man. Bruce had a good, had a good menu yeah. there and a nice little, nice little venue. Yeah, I think I saw you three times there, and uh, and then because I used to live in Brockville, uh, Ontario, and then I moved up to Guelph, and so I've seen you. I saw you at uh, the Commercial Tavern there in Mary Hill as uh, well. Rest in peace. Yeah, all the good spots are are shutting down, but yeah, I I remember. I think you were you introduced me to like guy guy clark even because I, I i heard you play dublin blues one night at the branch and uh and i thought man that's a, a hell of a song and i i looked it up and um i think you said that one was for brute you, you said you dedicated it to bruce except for the part where uh you know they they lo he loves her on the spanish steps yeah, or something yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well bruce was from texas right and uh, okay and so he he had the maybe even austin i'm not sure but he had the Texas connection, so uh, and was definitely into all that that sort of stuff, and yeah, kind of had a bit of an affinity with him, and and uh, over the songwriter music, anyways, and yeah. uh, and man, that guy could make brisket. It was crazy. That was good. Yeah, that was a nice little yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, I've I've yeah, I've just uh, I've admired you from afar for a long time. I've listened to all your albums, so <clears throat> I'm glad you're still making a go of it. And um, so, what's next um, after? The European tour, you got some Canadian dates too, right? Yeah, we're always doing like a couple. I'm always, I've always got a couple small things on the go. Uh, actually, doing a show down your way at the start of June. It's, okay. it's not announced yet, but in Cambridge. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of got a few th small things around. Um, cool. Not doing any bigger tours until the fall time. Um, yeah, it's not really announced yet. We haven't really talked about it too much, but. Um, we're doing a. I'm doing a tour with a good friend of mine who's an amazing songwriter named Richard Inman. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We've been pals for a lot of years and written songs together, and we've joked about uh, uh, doing a tour, kind of like a guy in town's tour, performing on stage together, trading songs. Okay. And uh, we're finally making it happen, or we're trying to, anyways. Uh, nice. Yeah, going to do a bunch of Western Canadian shows, and where's uh, he from? Uh, his family's originally from, uh, Southern Alberta. Yeah, okay. He, he grew up in Manitoba, but, um, yeah, he's back out in Alberta these days. I see. And, um, yeah, we're trying to book some Ontario shows too. So, uh, we'll see. He, he doesn't much like it out here, but I'm trying to convince him it's worth coming and hanging out for a little bit and, yeah. and, 
it, yeah, if if that all comes about, that's going to be a pretty special fall. And yeah, trying to, like I say, trying to get back down to the states and and always looking. Like I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks, but I'm already thinking about going back. So, um, Europe and England are always on the brain, and uh, yeah, trying to make a record somewhere in there too. I got a bunch, got a handful of songs, and and uh, uh, reckon I got a couple couple more coming in the next little bit here. So, okay. um, and who's going to Europe with you? Who just is it going to be just a two a duo? Yeah, a duo thing. I I got a guy who's been playing with me for a couple of years now, named Miles Zerwell. Um, he's from, uh, just outside Edmonton lives out in the West coast these days, but, uh, he, he's a, a heck of a player, plays the dobro and banjo and a bunch of things, but, uh, mostly dobro with me and, and, um, mostly he's a good hang. He's real into formula one. Nice. <laughs> um, he's a good hang, good buddy. And, uh, that's the older I get, the more I realize that's the important thing. Just surround yourself with people who are like-minded and into the same things as you are and and uh people you're not going to fight with or if you yeah. are you're going to be able to figure it out you know uh, yeah. good people man that's that's the most important thing so and do you think you're in ontario for the long term oh you... Uh, you know i'm always one foot out yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm probably here for the rest of my life but i'll always be one f- listen listen there will come a day uh when i move back to my family's land um whether it's permanent or seasonal, there will come a time where I spend more of my time out there eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right now, my kid's home is here. And so right. that's, that's, that's where, uh, that's where home is right now. And, and will be for the next chunk of time. Um, Ontario has grown on me a lot, but uh, Saskatchewan will always be, uh, there'll always be that kind of, that blood connection there. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get on with your night, but I really appreciate you uh, doing this, man. Thanks so much for having me, Glenn. I appreciate it. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, of course. Really nice talking to you, too. I hope you have a fun, safe European tour. And uh, yeah, man, just keep writing and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, man. All righty. All right. Take care, man. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Had two long months since I've been home. My feet are tired and my brain is warm. And my empty arms, oh, they long for you. And my home on the prairie when my rambling days.
And my random days are through Will you be the one that I'm running to? Or will you leave with another true for tuning in to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. This is Glenn. Both Andrew and I are grateful for your time and attention. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have a story to share or a guest to recommend, you can reach out to us via the website which is raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Thanks, and take care. And I've had two long months Since I've been home My feet are tired And my brain is warm And my empty arms Oh, they long and my home on the prairie when my rampant days are through.